All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right, Mom and Dad, I didn't get a text, so. Oh, did I? I got one. Oh, snap. Oh, Callie just said you got it. Hey, Cal. Okay, let's get to work. Uh, so we're in our sermon series called Unmovable God. Uh, last week, Pastor did a really awesome job of setting the foundation um, of the sermon series. I think he got mad excited because he hadn't been up here in a minute, and I was mad excited because I got to breathe for a second. Um, but he, he explained to us that there were four things that God is unmovable on. Now, in the Word, there's probably a million things that God won't move on. But the one that I'm going to talk about today is that God is uh, he's unmovable on his method of getting you to purpose. Like, God, God's not going to step away from the ABCs and the one, two, threes of what he knows gets us to the right place. Amen. And the first step of every single process that works with God is called faith. Now, I know we just did what we did, and we praise God for Shivana and that she's alive and well and everything's great, and that her family, even though they don't feel it right now, they're going to be amazing. But faith is, is, is something kind of like, they're, 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 there are different topics in church that we can talk about that people start to get a little shaky once we start talking about them. One of them is faith, because it's really hard to have faith in the face of turmoil. It's really hard to have faith in the face of death, in the, in the face of somebody cheating, in the face of somebody lying on you. It's, it's just really hard in, in heart, hurt and pain. Another one is tithing. It's like, I ain't got no money. Now you're trying to give me to give money so I can get money. That don't make any sense. Like, like there, there are some topics that don't make any sense. So, so what I want to make sure that you understand this morning, I, I just want to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Okay. I, I just want us all just to lean into God's truth this morning. I don't want you to use your experience yet. We're going to get there. But I want you to lean in, lean into God's truth this morning. Like, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not as smart as you think I am, but his word never lies. So what comes out of my mouth is only going to be the word of God. So lean into this as being the truth today. Can we do that this morning? Can you promise me? Right hand to God. Say, I promise. Okay, there it is. I got all y'all. Got them all. Got them all. Okay, so on Wednesday, we were supposed to go into small groups. Who was here Wednesday? Wednesday was absolutely bananas. We were supposed to go into small groups, and the Holy Spirit was like, huh, you're funny. Um, I'm just going to come and sit on y'all until you can, can't move. Anybody ever wrestle with your dad or your mom or somebody that was bigger than you? Remember, like, when they got tired, they just sit on you, and you couldn't do anything? That's what God did on Wednesday night. He just sat on us and was just like, oh, you're going to get this word today. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what you're going to do, but, but, but you're going to receive his spirit. And today I'm going to talk on faith, and this is my title. You ready? The Vehicle of Faith. What, what I hope through the Holy Spirit and through my words, I, what I hope today is, can you give me 45 minutes, please? Um, I'm, I'm hoping that through the word and, and, and through the Holy Spirit that God can reach you where you are today, that, that he can reach you wherever, wherever level of faith you have. Some people have faith to move mountains, and some of us don't even have faith to squish a grape. It, it, but all the way through, Anything and everything that you do is going to have to take a relinquishing of your own power to God. And I, I, I know for some of us in the room, can I talk just for a second? Like, for some of us in the room, like, you made it into this building by the skin of your teeth. Some of you might be sitting here saying or watching by Facebook, like, this is the last time that I'm giving you a chance, God. If I don't feel nothing today, then, you know, I'm done with you. I'm going to throw you away. Some of you have been hurt by the church. Some of you have been hurt specifically by somebody in the church, be it, be it physical, be it mental, spiritual, whatever it is. But all I'm asking for you today is to allow God to re-enter into that space where you've been hurt. That's all I'm asking. And if it doesn't work today, try again. 
Because we get friends that tear us up all the time. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth chances. Who am I talking to this morning? We give them time after time after time to break our heart. But then what we believe God is supposed to do, if he doesn't do it, then we lose our faith in the one that created us. So all I'm asking you to do is just to have faith in the word today. Can we do that? Okay, let's take out our Bible. Let's take out our Bibles. Let's take out our notes. So on Wednesday, I started talking about the story of Jonah, and I lied to you guys. I'm so sorry. I told them that I was going to teach the message. I taught my message on Wednesday that I was going to teach on Sunday. And to be totally honest, I was shooting from the hip. Sometimes that happens. Like, you got to call an audible, right? Like, nobody coaches LeBron. He just plays. Like, every time he pulls up, man, he was so smart. He probably just like, I just shot the ball. So I just shot the ball on Wednesday. But I went into a place of prayer and consecration this weekend, and, and I think I got something for you. You good? Okay. So we started talking about the story of Jonah. Anybody know about the story of Jonah? God tells Jonah to go left. He goes right. After going right, he gets on a ship. They throw him overboard. He gets eaten by a whale. And as I was reading the story over the weekend, God was really starting to, like, really unpack what his hopes were for Jonah. He, he really started to help me understand that in the Bible that they use this thing called satire. Do you know what that is? Any English majors? Satire is basically where in, like, plays and things like Shakespearean theory, like, where they tell a story and the main character makes a lot of mess-ups. Can you say mess-ups? Like, they fudge all the time. I can't say the other word. I'm not there yet. But, you know, they mess up a lot, a lot, a lot. And what satire is, is satire uses, uh, um, it, it uses irony and it uses humor to teach us. So many times in, 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 in our lives, things can be going absolutely terrible, right? Like, wrong. Like, this is not the way it was supposed to go. But have you guys ever heard of the term, like, in order to not cry, all I do is laugh? Like, to keep from crying, I have to laugh. And I think that the funny thing about it is that in this story of Jonah, there are multiple times where Jonah is like, God, I hate you. But God is almost laughing at Jonah, trying to tell Jonah, like, you don't even know what's going on. Like, I think so many times in our lives, like, when we're crying and we're like, God, what are you doing? God's like, I'm God. I always know what I'm doing. So it's almost like he starts to laugh, not at you, but at the, at the fact, like, I thought that you trusted me. Anybody have kids? You could tell your child on Monday, hey, we're going to such and such. We're going to go get some ice cream. And they'll ask you every day until Friday if, when, is today the day, is today the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through, right? And it's almost as if they've almost, they've lost trust with you on Monday, but Friday hasn't come yet. And you as a parent, you're like, I, you have to get, at least give me the opportunity to fail. Some of us, we cut God's hand off before he's even able to act. We pray today for something that's supposed to happen a week from now, and if we don't see it tomorrow, we say he's unfaithful. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. So God starts to show, are we all right? So God begins like to show me this thing of like, the, the reason why Jonah, it, it didn't work out with Jonah, and, and, I had to, I, I, and I had to take him through all these series of steps, is because along the way, he kept talking to his doubt and not to his faith. So today we're going to read the word. Is that good? Is that all right? Okay. This is my first. No, I'm not going to give you my first point. I'm going to read first. Okay, so we're going to read the word of God. Is that all right? Here we go. Jonah 1 through 2. It's a little bit of reading, so just lean into the reading. I know some people, you're going to fall asleep, but it's all right. I'm going to wake you up. Holy Spirit, keep them up. In Jesus' name. Here we go. Jonah 1. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah. I think it's Amisha's son. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. The first thing that happens is God gives Jonah a word. Say a word. He tells Jonah exactly what to do. Go to Nineveh and preach the word of God. Very simple. 
But Jonah got up and went in which direction? The other direction, the opposite way of the Lord's voice. And he goes to Tarshish. Running away from God, he went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining them going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could. Some of us, as soon as God tells us to do something or he gives us an inkling of what our purpose is, we run in the total opposite direction. Hey, I want you to go pray for that person. And we literally duck them in the grocery store. We were supposed to go get eggs, but we're going to duck to the produce because I think we need some grapes, right? Like we, we will intentionally do the opposite thing of God thinking that if we run away from it, that it'll go away. So, but God sent what? A huge storm at sea, the waves towering. So the ship was about to break into pieces. The sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to who? Their God. Not the one living God, but their God. Oh, it's going to be so good in a second. So they threw everything they were carrying overboard to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah, and God, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship, which is the bottom, to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain came to him and said, what? What is this? Sleeping? Get up. Pray to who? Our gods aren't working, but there's this man that you call Jesus. Can we try him? In some of your situations where there's a storm, a lot of people, their gods are not working, and they're just trying to see, does your God work? So in the midst of your storm, you shouldn't be afraid of like the thunder and the lightning and the dark clouds. That's just another way for God to display himself through you. That's why you got to have the right people in your storm with you, because a lot of people, they're afraid of the storm, but you know the God that created the storm. Y'all going to warm up in a minute. I know it's kind of like going to gym. Like I, about around like 20 minutes, y'all be like, oh, I'm, I'm with it. But no worries. We'll get there. So they did what? Then the sailors said to one another, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to identify the culprit on the ship who's responsible for this disaster. So what did they do? They drew straws. And what happened to Jonah? He got the short straw. That's how we used to pick who was going to be it in the 90s. You either do that or you do eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Or if you were the fat kid, they'd be like, first one to the tree, and you, you fat. So you just like, all right, that was me. That was me. First one to the tree is it. I'm the first, last one to the tree is it. I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm it today. I guess I'm it today. <laughs> so they drew the short straws, and Jonah got the short straw. Then they did what? They grilled him. Confess. Like, why this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? And Jonah told them, he says, what? I'm a Hebrew. I worship God. But which God? The God of heaven who made what? Sea and land. Thank you, Lord. At that, the men were what? Frightened. Like, they scared. Like, oh, bro, like, you're the last thing that got on this ship. Like, you're, you're the one that's unfamiliar. And now all this hell and turmoil is going on? Looking at your situation, if it gets frustrating and you're trying to figure out where the heck are, is, is all this lightning and clouds coming from, what's the last thing that you put on your ship? What's the last, who's the last person you told your dream to? Who's the last person that you told your aspirations to? Who's the last person that, that, that you were with physically? It's not always that God doesn't want to be with you. Sometimes we put something on our ship that compromises peace. What is the last thing that you watched on Netflix before you went to bed? You wake up and you're like, oh my God, I couldn't sleep. I was so re restless. What were you consuming before you went to bed? Be intimate with my, with my significant other. Well, what were you watching before you were with her for dinner? So God is trying to get to Jonah. He's like, look, I'm not trying to send you a storm to destroy you, but because of your actions, the storm came. At that 
the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, what? What on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realized that he was running away from God. They said to him, what are we going to do with you to get rid of this storm? By this time, the sea was wild, totally out of control. So Jonah said to them, do what? Throw me overboard. Into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me, and you'll get rid of the storm. I think that Jonah was really trying to be selfish here. Sometimes people can do things in the name of God so that people will look at them great, but it's really them falling on their own sword. Think about it this way. Jonah was trying to get as far away from God's purpose as possible, but then he told them, throw me overboard so that you're saved. But I honestly believe that that was probably the most selfish thing that Jonah could have done because how far away can you get from God's purpose if you're dead? Like that's the furthest you could get. Some people in your life, they will represent something that's good, but they're really scared behind it. You can't trust everything that everybody says. You have to look at their work. The word of God says to look at the person's fruit. Don't judge the tree, judge the fruit. Because a lot of trees that we would say are dead are still producing what? So the people in our lives, they can tell you everything and be an amazing, beautiful tree and be producing poison. So what they do? They took Jonah and they did what with him? They threw him overboard. Immediately what happens? The sea quiets down. The sailors were so impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. Not a God, but who? God. The God. <laughs> they worshiped God, offered a sacrifice, and made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to do what to Jonah? Whole. Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days and nights. My first point this morning is don't consult the storm. In a lot of our situations, as soon as something bad goes on, we want to talk to the clouds and the wind and the rain. And we want to say, shoe fly, don't bother me. Like, rain, rain, go away. Come again, uh. She's smiling. You remember that one? That's a good one. But I think what God wants us to understand is that when something happens to you, are you going to talk to it or are you going to come to me? So the question is, Jonah knew what to happen. Jonah knew if I talk to this storm, nothing's going to happen. If I talk to this storm, I'm the one that created it because I ran in the opposite direction of God. Some of the storms, the hell and the tribulation that we're dealing with, it's not God, it's us. What was the first thing that God told Jonah? He said, go left. Jonah went which way? Right. So then a cloud of thunder and lightning, and this happens to us in our lives, we do the opposite of what God tells us to do. We walk into a storm. We say, God, why would you do this to me? And God, remember satire? He laughs at us like, I didn't create the storm, you did. But our problem is that we will consult the storm. Say consult, consult the storm. We will talk to the storm and try to tell the storm what to do. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to talk to God and apologize for the storm that we've created. Everything that you go through that doesn't taste like sugar isn't, the, isn't always God and it's not always the devil. Sometimes we create the own storms that we walk through. Let me move on. The storm was created based off of his disobedience to God. The minute he started taking the steps in the opposite direction, the storm started to, like, to, to, to form. Like, I want you to understand, the minute God gives you an order, you don't have an opinion. God says, go right. Well, you know what? And then the first thing that happens, I got a flat tire on my car. God, why are you doing this to me? I told you to go right. Well, you know, I'm going to run the opposite direction. I get a hangnail, and those suck. Man, God, why would you do An ingrown toenail, that's even worse. God, man, look at my toes, man, they jacked up. And God says, I, I told you to do what? Go in that direction. 
Man, they kicked me. They lying on me, God. They kicked me out of the class, said I was cheating, even though I kind of was, but I wasn't for real, Lord. Like, what's good? And God's like, I, I already told you what to do. But instead of turning, repenting, and going in the direction I told you, you keep talking to this issue that you call a storm. Have I made my point? Okay, class, I'm just trying to, trying to make sure. Write this one down. Your obedience to God can cause a direct increase or decrease in your joy. How do you follow directions? It's not that you follow them, it's how. Parents, again, you tell your daughter, son or daughter to do something, and when, they, when you ask them, they say yes. Or if they say yes, same answer. But you're going to love on them just a little bit different depending on those two answers, right? So here we go. Even in your downfall, people can still see the light of God. The problem with Jonah is that he thought that God was really trying to attack him. But at the same time, how many of you guys know that God does everything like all the time at all times, right? So at the same time that he's trying to discipline Jonah, he's also trying to show himself mighty and strong to the sailors on the boat. So the sailors on the boat, what were they doing before? They started praying to their gods, like all these different gods, like, yo, we need some help. Okay, that didn't work. Hey, this god, we need some help. Okay, that didn't work. Aphrodite, we need some help. Like they're praying to all of these different gods. But then what happens? Once they throw him over, because of what he was going through, it ministered to them. A lot of times what you're going through isn't just for you. It's a storm that you're going through. I totally understand. It sucks for you right now. I totally understand that it's frustrating. But sometimes other people will get the glory from God through your hurt and pain. Like... Can we talk just for a second? Like, people watch your family struggle through being like a family. For you, it's like hell. But to them, it gives them hope that they can do it. Miss Shivana, yes, she passed away. And a lot of people are going to see, oh, my God, it, it went horrible. For those of us that watched her, we can say, like, okay, my God is real. When they say you're supposed to die tomorrow and you live another six months, it's like, whoa, time out. So you mean to tell me that what I'm going through might hurt me, but somebody else might be looking at my pain and gaining energy from it? You start to look at your faith level a little bit different. I can't afford to have low faith because I don't know who's watching me. Jesus Christ. You can't walk into your house with little children and start complaining about things that they've never experienced before because you're literally creating the construct of how they're going to see the God that you worship. Power in, uh, uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Here we go, Jonah 2, 1 through 9. So Jonah's in the bottom of, he's in the bottom of the belly of this whale at the bottom of the ocean. Remember what we talked about. Everything we're going to talk about today is going to be impossible. So don't lean into what you know, lean into truth. Can you say truth? The truth of the matter is that Jonah should have been, like, absorbed, and he should have been digested. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, whales eat, like, six times a day. According, excuse me, to National Geographic and the Animal Planet, Anybody remember Steve Irwin? That was the show, bro. Or Zabumafu, anybody? PBS? Oh, shoot, 90s babies, but good. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> a whale will eat six times its weight in food per day. So digesting Jonah would have been like burp, and it would have been no big deal. But God used the whale in a way that I think God uses our fear getting us to purpose. Can I explain it to you? So in the bottom of the belly of the whale, Jonah spits out this prayer. I think if you got thrown over a boat and you were in the water and you scared, say scared. scared. No, not scared. 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 I'm scared. I think you might throw up a little prayer or something like that, right? 
So this is what Jonah says. He says, then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He said, he prayed, in trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. I want you to understand the words of Jonah here. Like really lean into what he's saying. He answered me. From the belly of the grave, I cried, what? Help. You heard my cry. You threw me into the ocean's depth, into the watery grave with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. Uh, 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 where am I? Crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again see, uh, lay eyes on your ho holy temple. Ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. You see that word abyss? You know what an abyss is? It's nothingness in water. It's like space. Space and the ocean are similar because like you're weightless, it's dark, and there's really no end to it. But the word abyss, I just got this, it's crazy. The word abyss is capitalized. Anytime you see an inanimate object capitalized, it's talking about God. There's a part when you're in the water, in the abyss of your life, where you got to stop fighting the water. And you almost have to let it consume you and overtake you, even in your fear, in order for a lifeguard to help you, you have to do what? Submit to the abyss. Oh my God. So if you want to be saved by the lifeguard, the first thing you have to do is admit you can't do it by yourself. If you want the lifeguard to help you while you're drowning, you first have to understand I'm drowning. How many people have been in a situation and you know you're drowning, but you won't admit it to yourself? Oh my God. You, you're taking on water. Your lungs can only hold about two and a half gallons of water, period. You just keep taking in water. Keep taking in water. People that love you keep coming up to you. Hey, you're right. No, I'm straight. Hey, you're right. No, I'm straight. While you're literally drowning in your own situation. But I want to make sure that you understand the only way that you get out of what you're doing is understanding that you can't do it by yourself. You have to submit to the water. That's what my dad used to tell me because I used to be afraid of swimming. He said, the only way that you beat the water is accepting that the water can kill you. Wait a minute, time out. What are you talking about? He says, once you understand the power of a thing, you'll know how to use it. What would have happened if Jonah would have understood what he said to the sailors? Remember, he said, I serve the God that made the sea. I think he just said that because it sounded good. We can read the word and spit things off because we're so churched and we're so religious, but we don't have the faith in the words that we're reading. Jonah said to the people, I serve the God that creates the sea, but he didn't believe it, so God had to send a fish to save him. Okay, let me prove it to you. 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 So he says, my head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains took root. Like, do you hear how bad God is? In his prayer, God's proving how dope he is. So dope. I was as far down as a body can go. Like, I can't go any further. And the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet what? You pulled me up. I'm not trying to sell you hope today. I'm trying to give it to you. Like, I'm not trying to say, God's good, believe in God. I'm trying to let you know that he's, he is good because he is good. God's good not because you need him to be good. He's just good. Like, just look at your neighbor and say, he's just good. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter what you did. God is good regardless of if you are or not. So just accept it. Yet you pulled me up from the grave alive. And he says, oh God, my God, listen to this and underline this in your Bible. Highlight it in your notes, whatever you have on your phone. When my life was slipping away, what did Jonah do? He remembered. 
what I want to make sure you understand today is that your faith isn't just activated when you start to pray. Sometimes all you have to do is just remember what God brought you from before. Because the same grace, the same mercy that it took to take you out of that place is going to be the same grace and mercy to take you out of this one. So a lot of times, if you have faith, you don't even have to pray. When you walk into a situation, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> I've been here before. <laughs> like, it proves your faith if something happens and you immediately go into prayer out of desperation rather than truth. There's something about praying like, God, you got this. When you have faith, your, your, your prayers become a little bit shorter because you know I don't, it's not about the amount of words. It's not about me fasting and praying. I have faith. So all I have to say is, you got it. I have faith in my father. So if something happens, I don't have to say, dad, I love you so much. Remember all those things you did for me before? You've done this, that, and the other. I really believe that you're going to take care of it. No, all I have to do is like, you know. Stop begging God to do things in your life that he wants to do. I don't know who that's for. Stop begging God. God, would you please? God's like, why would I create children that I don't want to take care of? Like, what would be the point? What would be the point of me father, like laying down my son's life just so that I can look at you and be like, no, I'm good. He paid the ultimate price to make you his responsibility. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, God frauds, walk away from their only true love. But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to God. He says, but I'm worshiping you. In the belly of the well, in my storm, and in everything that's going wrong in my life, God, I'm going to choose. Even though I'm in the stomach of this whale, I'm going to find a way to lift my hands and say, I'm going to worship you. A lot of the problem is, is that we want to get to this point where we want to crawl down and pray. But you don't need to pray because God already knows that, like, what your heart is saying. So instead of getting down on your knees and praying to God, you might just want to stand up, lift up your hands, and worship him in the turmoil. Jonah understood something. He says, I don't need to pray for something because God already knows. Prayer is our communication. So instead of praying to get out of the belly of this well, I'm just going to lift my hands and worship him like I'm already out of it. That's why, Brother Damon, we could be in an emergency room where somebody says they're supposed to die, and we're laughing, high-fiving, and praising God. It's because they're confused, because I serve a God that is bigger than any sickness. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm, I, serve a God, I serve a God that brings divorced people that cheated on one another back together, and everything works. That's, that's the God that I serve. I, I serve a God that brings people from dead to life, and I don't need you to believe it. And I'm, like, if you have to see it to believe it, that means you don't have faith. I serve a God that has kept me from car crashes I don't even know about. I serve a God that has called me away from parties where I was really trying to get away from God, called me away, and the entire party got busted. Like, that's the God. What kind of God do you serve? Look at your neighbor. Like, what, ask him, what kind of God do you serve? What happened in your family? I didn't have any food on my table. There was a time I was sick. I, was, I, I didn't know what was going on. And everything that happened, I didn't have to pray because that was my heart. So now every situation I go through, I'm going to lift up my hands and just worship him. You're sick. God, thank you so much. Thank you. I already received the victory. Uh, they're going to kick you out of school. God, I already received my, 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 my degree. And there's going to be PhD at the end of my name. You feel me? 
in some of your situations, you should walk into them and not even talk to them. Don't even respect them. As soon as they see you, you should give them a hand and be like, this is the God I serve. Why would I even waste my breath on something that I, no, talk to the hand, you take care of it. What did I say? Okay, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm feeling myself, yo, I'm feeling myself. Look at your neighbor say, God will get what he wants. <laughs> Regardless if you agree. Oh, you weren't supposed to say that, but some of y'all got bold. It's all right. It's all right. Look, yeah, he gonna get what he, look, he gonna get what he wants. So then God did what? He spoke to the fish, and it did what to Jonah? It vomited him up on the shore. Write this down. The minute Jonah made up in his mind to follow God's direction, what he thought was sent to kill him was his vehicle to purpose. <laughs> Jonah thought that the fish was there to consume him. And God sent the fish to deliver him to the place he was supposed to be going in the first place. A lot of us in our situations, we believe that God's going to meet us in our situation. But I think that if God really just showed up, some of us don't even have the faith to believe it. So God would show up and we'd be like, oh, dead. And that'd be it. That'd be a wrap. And we'd be up in heaven like, oh, you scared me. I, didn't, I mean, I used to pray, but I didn't know you was real. You really real, huh? So what God sends you is he sends you a text message from a friend you haven't talked to at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's the fish. God says, I can't meet you in the water because you don't even believe that you're supposed to be alive. So if you see me, oh, you're going to be dead. So let me, let me send you a fish because it'll, be it'll be more understandable for you to say you got eaten by a fish than if you met me. So let, let me help you out. It's a text message from a friend. It's a random person paying for your lunch. When you've made the decision that morning, I'm probably not going to be able to eat lunch today. It's you making up a decision in your car. I don't even have gas to get to work and home. But then you make it to gas, home, groceries, taking the kids to baseball. Then it dies at home. Like, but we're so afraid. My car died. But no, remember, you said you were only going to make it to work. But he lets you go to three other places. I'm coming for y'all neck today. I'm so disrespectful right now. God says you're so frustrated that the car died, but I allowed you to go to three extra stops. So why don't you praise me for the three extra stops and stop worrying about the car? Because what I'm trying to show you is I need you to be immobile for what I'm going to give you. So I had to break down the car so that you're forced to spend time with me. Oh, my God. What? What? I'm like Kawhi in the fourth. Let's go. Let's get it. The belly of the well wasn't his demise, but it was God's hand to show him he hadn't left him. Stop looking at turmoil in your life as God forsaking you. Sometimes it's God gracing you. You're in the house and you want to have a great day and you're like, man, I'm going to watch all these games and the power goes out. Sometimes it's not that the power went out so he, that he doesn't want to like hurt you so you don't watch the game. Sometimes it's when's the last time you intently looked your wife in the, in the face and said, I love you and had a conversation? When's the last time you asked your friend, how was your day at work? When was the last time that you held your kids and just told them how much you love them, despite what they've done? Faith takes you to a promise. Date takes you to worry. Doubt takes you to worry. The minute you face faith, it literally helps move you in the direction. It helps move you into the direction of what God has for you. But the minute you look at doubt, 
and all the things that you don't believe, the minute you look in that way, it immediately takes you to worry. Can I tell you a story? So on Tuesday, I'm sorry, Callie, I love you, but I have to tell a story. Long story short, Callie, they had this bug in their house, and, and, and she's in Kansas City, and women, I'm starting to, re, I'm starting to figure y'all out. It's not that y'all can't drive, you just rather us drive. It's not that you can't cook, you just want to see us cook. It's not, <laughs> she said, uh, a meal, please. Uh, it, it's not that, like, you, it's not that you can't drive, it's something about us driving. It's not the driving, it's the fact that we're taking care of you and you're secure. So Callie calls me, and she's in Kansas City, there's this bug, and I'm like, I don't know what the heck you want me to do. Like, you want me to, like, extendo arm, go-go gadget, extendo arm, and kill the bug? And, and she calls me, and she says, I just want you to stay on the phone as I'm killing the bug. You're laughing, but do you hear what I'm saying? So she ends up killing the bug, and before she killed the bug, I was like, man, why are you so scary? Just kill the bug. It's like, no big deal. It's no big deal. It's just a bug. And she sends me a video, she killed the bug. We have our Wednesday night service, God comes amazing. And I'm sitting in the floor in a puddle of tears. Don't date a man that's not afraid to be in a puddle of tears before God. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. If your man is afraid to worship God, he ain't the one. Because in some situations, he's not gonna be able to sex you, he's gonna have to talk to God. Woo! <laughs> that's he, I'm not married, but I know, that's the word. Don't listen to me, that's what he said. Don't, hey, Sexual healing isn't it. It's going to have to be down on your knees but looking up to God. Okay. Story time. Let me get back. Stop distracting me. So we get done here, and I'm in a pool of tears in, in, the, in the chapel, and I'm crying. And, like, the people thought I was talking to them. But I was like, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. And they think I'm preaching. And I'm literally desperately saying, God, I have no reason to trust you right now, but I'm going to. So I get home. I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on. My mom and my dad, I had taken them to the airport. And you know the, weird, like the, 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 the weather has been really weird this week. Like we have so many storms. The minute I took my parents to the airport, like this storm came. And I realized that I was alone. So my parents are in Nigeria. <laughs> my lady is in Italy. Vanessa's in Italy. And Callie's in Kansas City. So I'm literally out here on an island by myself. But it felt like the belly of a fish. So Callie had the bug. I mean, this bug... What? Huge. And it flies. It's just like, that's, that's messed up. I walk into my house. After, are, we, are we trekking? Yeah. I walk into, my, in, into our house. It's a big house when it's, when it's empty. That whale was huge to Jonah because he was the only one that was in it. And for the whale to have swallowed him, it had to have starved itself to swallow him. So I'm sitting in the house, and I walk into the kitchen, and all I see is, and I'm like, time out. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? There was a bat in our home. This big. And I'm standing in the kitchen, and God gives me instant karma. He says, what happened to the faith that you told your sister that? You said it was just a bug. You said it was just a bug, no big deal, just kill it. And now you're afraid of a bat? So I that fly through the house, and this irrational, see, so you say irrational? irrational? Irrational. I'm not afraid of things. That, that's not in my nature. Any person that knows me, I'm, I'm going to kill it or it's going to kill me. One of the two, but one of us walking up out of here dead. There ain't no fear in it. Hey, we're going to kill this, uh, we're going to kill this lion with a toothpick. I mean, let's roll up on that dude, cuz. Let's get 
Like there's no fear. Either I'm going to get eight or I'm going to eat it. But the minute I see the bat, this irrational fear hits me where I'm literally shaking and I can't even enter the house. And the Holy Spirit said something very clear to me. He says, it's really easy for you to ask somebody else to use faith that you don't have. You ask your sister to have faith for a cockroach and you don't even have faith for a bat that is probably more afraid of you than you are of it. So the Holy Spirit looks at me, and this is how the Holy Spirit talks to me. He says, the only way that you're going to find this bat is if you succumb to the fear that you have. Remember the abyss? He says you have to give yourself up to the abyss. You know what that looks like in a house that, that's big, that, that, that is that big? That means you got to cut off all the lights and look for this bat with a flashlight. Now, anybody remember playing hide and seek? I was the fat kid that was scared. Scared, right? There's something about when you got to go find people, you just got to pee a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like... Like, every time you go around a corner, you got to, like, a little bit go down your leg. You know what I'm saying? Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. So I'm going around all of these different rooms. And now what God blessed us with, which is a big house, has now become my hell. What God has blessed me with is now a hell because my perspective is wrong. So then I get a call from who? Brother Greg. Brother Greg says, oh, it's no big deal. I'm kind of afraid of him at times. There ain't no brother that walks through everything smooth. If he walks through something smooth, that means he, he <laughs> you feel me. He comes to the house. We find out that the bat probably left the house while I had the door open. So it probably flew in and flew out. So he comes and he ends up, he, he and Josh, they pray for me. And I realized that the bat wasn't there to scare me, but it was to send somebody to me. He came with a net, and I thought that was going to save me, but it was his words that saved me that night. God is so interesting in how he does stuff. Like, if you pay attention to how your life works, you can see God's hand. But if you're so frustrated looking at everything and you're scared, you won't see the significance of how God has helped you out. So I'm in bed, and I think just because somebody prayed for me, that means that I have faith. That's not how it works. So I'm sitting in bed, scared. No, I want you to understand, irrational fear. It's a bat. It can't bite me. Like, its mouth doesn't even function to bite me. Their mouths function to swallow and chew, not to bite and chew. So I'm afraid of something that literally cannot hurt me in my bed with all the covers over me, and I'm scared. And the Holy Spirit said, this is what people look like when they say that they trust me. They say that they trust me, but they fear what they, what, what, what they want me to take care of. Like, you're afraid of a bat in this giant house, and I'm trying to give you something even bigger than the house, but if you're afraid of the bat, there's no way I'm going to lead you to purpose. Because if you're afraid of the bat, then you're going to be afraid of the people that I've sent you to. So I had to send the bat to test your faith. Look at your neighbor and say, test your faith. Test your faith. Come on, talk to me. Test your faith. Test your faith. So a lot of the things that scare you, it's irrational because you're not supposed to be afraid, but God is, is testing you. Do you really trust me? I'm sitting in the room, and I'm like, out of nowhere, day after day, I'm walking into the house with a little bit more confidence. So I come into the, ch uh, the church the next day, and Miss Benita says, well, you want to know something? The bat's probably not even in the house. You're just frustrated because you didn't see it leave. So now I'm messed up. I'm like, so you mean to tell me that the bat is probably not in the house, but I had to see it to believe it. I believe that we're in a season where God's just going to start doing things. And you ain't got to see it. You just got the faith that it's going to work.
That, I, you're not going to have to see the bat in your house, in your life, fly out the door. You're just going to automatically be like, no, he's not here. And this is the thing. While I believe that, my brain, your brain is so strong, it'll take you to places that your body can't take you out of. I swear, I was like, I, I started seeing things. And God is like, in the spiritual realm, this is what happens to my people. They can't keep their eyes on me, so then they become schizophrenic, thinking that they're seeing things, and it's not there. It just says, keep your eyes on me, baby. Don't worry about what's going on, because it's going to take faith to get you there anyway. Somebody say hallelujah. Just one. Okay. Okay, I got nine minutes. I got nine minutes. Oh, it's 1130. I got more time. Let's get it. Okay, good. Are we good? Or do you want me to stop? All right, let's do the benediction. You guys can come. Oh, snap. Okay, good. All right, awesome. Sometimes the whale looks like a text from a friend. Sometimes it looks like church itself. Some of you are in the belly of the whale, and you're just crawling trying to get to church on Sunday. But don't fight the church service on Sunday. Embrace it. Say embrace it. Embrace. Don't fight the water. Allow it to consume you. That's the only way that you're going to be able to swim. You don't fight the water when you're swimming. You flow with it, and you use it. God's going to start calling you to use whatever. I don't even know who you are, but whatever you're dealing with, God's going to help you use the momentum of what you think is going to take you out. It's going to take you to where you need to go. I don't even know who you are, but the Holy Spirit says whatever you're fighting right now, I don't know what it is. Whatever you're fighting, if it's a mental thing or whatever it is, can we, just, can we do it just for a second? I know it's weird for you, but just reach your hands, whatever it is that God would give you grace to walk through it. And people are going to see you walk through it, and they're going to be able to believe that there is a God because you did it. I don't even know who you are. Okay, everybody, lift up your hands. Whatever I'm going through, repeat after me. Somebody's going to see God through what I'm going through. Don't look at me and be amazed. Look at me and be pointed back to God. Stop worshiping people because they have a gift. Stop worshiping people because they can't speak. I'm absolutely nobody because I have to do the same things that I'm telling you to do up here. I had to practice it this week. That's the funny thing about preaching. God doesn't give you a message until you have to practice it. I'm literally sitting in the house shaking with fear. I don't even know what fear feels like because I'm fearless in a lot of places. And I started to understand this is why people don't trust God. But God said, in spite of your leg being scared and a little bit of the pee running down your leg, will you still trust me? Let me move on. Here we go. Third chapter. Next, God spoke to Jonah a second time after he spits him out, remember? What he thought was going to kill him was actually the vehicle that took him to where he was supposed to be in the first place. Next, God spoke to Jonah a second time. He says what? Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way. That's what my papa said. They're in a bad way, doc. And I can't ignore it any, any longer. The first thing that God presents to Jonah after he spits him out is the last thing that he told him to do. God told you that you're supposed to be the savior from your family. And you go through hell and tribulation, and you think after that, God's going to be like, you know what, don't worry about it. No, God says, yeah, that sucks, but you're still going to deliver your family. One thing that God is unmovable is his method. He's unmovable in who he assigns to do what he said they're going to do. So if God told you that your family's supposed to be free, if they're not free and you still got blood pumping through your veins and you still got oxygen in your lungs, that means that he's not done yet. If your son or daughter is strung out on drugs or they always get hurt, but you're still breathing and God told you you were going to see them free, then he's not done yet. If you're in school and you ain't got the money for, who am I talking to? Like, who am I talking to? All right, right here. If God told you that there's money for you to go to school and you ain't got it yet, I'm telling you, it has to come because God is always going to provide for what he told you, not for what you see. 
God provides for what he told you, not for what. Because God said that I will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever or think. So it doesn't, anything I can think that's so great, God's like, that's peanuts compared to what I have for you. Oh, God. Let me just get to the end. Let me get to the end. So this time, what happened? Jonah started off right for Nineveh. He said, I bet, yep. I remember what happened last time. You ain't going to get me again. <laughs> I ain't going to be no fish fillet sandwich. No, sir. So Jonah enters the city, and it's a very big one. So it literally would take him three days to get from where he's going um, to, from where he's at to get to where he's going. So the people of Nineveh, they listen to what Jonah has to, says, has to say, and this is all he says. Write this down. He says, in 40 days, Nineveh will be smashed. In the New King James, it says, turn around, repent, because Nineveh is going to be overturned. So the people of Nineveh, they listened and trusted God, like immediately. They proclaimed a citywide fast and dressed in burlap to show their repentance. In the New King James, it says that even the cows repented. There are some people that are just waiting for God to show up in your life so that they can trust him. And even their dog is going to repent. When the message reached the king of Nineveh, he got off of his throne, threw down his royal robes, dressed in burlap, and sat down in the dirt. Then he issued a public proclamation, and this is what it said. Not one drop of water, not one bite of food for man, woman, or animal. The animals. He, how are you going to tell a... How, how you, how, how are you going to tell a cow not to eat cud? Hey, bro, chill out. Oh, bet. My bad. <laughs> hey, hey. All right, my bad. <laughs> not one drop of food or, or, or drink. Dress them all up, both people and animals. When people meet Jesus for the first time, we throw them away because we think that they're acting extra. They say hallelujah at the end of everything, and we're like, we try to teach them how to do God right. But some of them, they're like, this is my first drink of real water, so don't try to tell me how to trust the God that you're familiar with. We're going to have people that are going to come here, and they're going to do a lot of this stuff in worship. And you're going to think that they're trying to, like, send a Kamehameha away from Dragon Ball Z, but that's just the way that they worship God. Who are we to tell them that they can't do that? That's how they know God. Everyone must turn around, turn back from evil and their life and the violent ways and stain their hands. Who knows? Maybe God will turn around and change his mind about us, quit being angry with us, and let us live. So God saw that they had, what they had done, and uh, he had turned them away from, the evil, from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. The word overturn, I want you to write it down. Sometimes in your life, in our lives, we think that God is going to take our situation and we say, well, turn it around, open the window, right? We think that, like, if, I'm, if, if something happened to me, God's going to overturn it and he's going to change, like, he's going to do the opposite. What we find out with Jonah is that Jonah thought that God was going to destroy the city. So he's like, if you don't repent, God's going to overturn the city and destroy it. But sometimes the overturn isn't what you think it is. Instead of overturning and destroying the city, God overturned and changed their hearts. A lot of the relationships that we're in, we talk about leaving people. Some of the relationships you do need to leave. You need to overturn them and turn over a new leaf with new people. But in some of the relationships and some of the situations that you're in, God's going to overturn it in a way that actually adds value to the relationship, where their hearts are changed towards you, where what happened isn't such a big deal and you can walk forward. So for some of us, God hasn't given us a roadmap. He doesn't give us the how to get there. 
People are waiting on you to do what God told you to do. In the New King James, I have this thought that the king is looking at Jonah, and he's like, well, where have you been? Like, we've been looking, we've been doing all this stuff, not because we thought it was great. It's just all we knew, but we knew that there was something better. How many people in your life, you know that they go through the same repetitious junk over and over and over again, but they know that that's not all that God has for them. So the king looks at, at Jonah, and he's like, dude, where you been at? Like, we've been looking. God told us that he was going to send somebody. A lot of the situations that you're going through, people are waiting you for you to get over your junk so that you can minister to them. That's why you have to beat pornography. That's why you have to go through it and beat it. That's why you have to go through being an alcoholic, a druggie, so that you can use that to the people that God sent you to. But if you stay in the belly of the whale too long, then the people will never be preached to. And it's not just up here. Your life preaches a message to people. My point for that one, third point, is complete God's last objective. The last thing that God told Jonah to do was to go and preach, and it was the first thing that he told him the minute he came out of the belly of the whale. Number four. Here's the last chapter. So I'll, I'll sum it up. So afterwards, Jonah is so furious with God, and he explains why he ran in the opposite direction. Jonah looks at God and says, the reason why I ran in the opposite direction is because I know that you're gracious, you're gracious and you're merciful. These people deserve to die, but I know that the God that you are, that you're going to give them grace. So I didn't want to be the person to tell them what you wanted me to tell them because I really wanted to see them die. I wanted to see them die because they deserved it. So he goes out in the city, and he just says, you know what, God, just, just, just kill me. Just kill me. Now, we're in Syria. It's hot as heck. Like, it's easily like 110 degrees in the day, 90 degrees at night. Like, just say hot. Hot, hot. So he goes out, and he's like, all right, God, I'm just going to wait here to die. And what God does is he gives him a tree. A tree comes out of the ground and shades him, and Jonah praises God for the tree. But afterwards, God sends a worm to burrow into the same tree that he gave him, and the tree dies again. And Jonah looks at God, and he says, oh, my God, why are you doing this to me? Like, you might as well just let me die. But listen to what God says to Jonah. Listen to what God says to Jonah. He says, what is this? How is it that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in, the 10th, I'm in the 10th verse. God said, what is this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You didn't do anything to get this tree, Jonah, and now you're going to curse me for it. I healed you from something and something else came, and you're going to curse me for what came, but you're not going to look at what I brought you from. So now I'm a terrible God because you're dealing with something new, but the old thing, you forgot about that that quickly, really? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next, the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city uh, of, of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't know right from wrong to say nothing of all of the innocent animals. This is the end of the chapter. Remember how I talked about Ruth, how it was only four chapters? Jonah's only four chapters because God did what he needed to do with Jonah because he followed his directions after a little bit. What I want you to understand is the last question that God asked, and it's my final point, is what right do you have? God literally looks at Jonah and he says, what right do you have to tell me what I do with my power? I spared your life in the ocean. I had you be eaten by a fish. I'm God. I just didn't kill you. I'm, I could kill you and nobody would even know. I could do the whole Thanos snap and nobody even know that you were alive. Like, what right do you have to come at me as God? Like, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I think God looks at us in our situations when we're scared and we're crying, and he looks at it, what right do you have to be afraid? I made you just like me. 
We don't fear. Anybody have young boys? Any, any dads have young boys? It's awesome. That same Wednesday night, Kylan's looking at Benjamin. And Benjamin, ben, Benjamin don't, be, don't be surprised if Benjamin's 6'6", 270 pounds. He's going to be... And even if he's four foot 11, two, uh, 120 pounds, he's still going to be, he's like, anybody know Benjamin? <laughs> anyway, he looks at Benjamin and he says, who are we? Benjamin's playing around. Kylan looks at him and he says, settle down. Who are we? And this little boy tells his father who he is. I think in a lot of our situations, God doesn't want us to look at what we're scared at. He wants us to look back at him and tell him who we are. I am a child of the most high God. Because you haven't given me a spirit of fear. I know that I'm scared looking at this thing, but you haven't given me a spirit of fear. So I'm going to choose to put my faith in what you are showing me rather than what I'm experiencing. Rock me to my core. Then I walked to my house and saw a bat, man. Come on, dude. Like a little kid would have, Benjamin would have grabbed it and ate it, and I'm scared. And God says, you're supposed to be just like a child. Children don't know fear until they're taught it. Sometimes our emotions are based on what we can see. The minute it doesn't actually happen anymore, we lose our faith. Can I show you something? Josh, can you come, please? I want to show you what, what, our, what our life looks like. For a lot of us, run in here. God tells us what to do. I want you to walk with me five paces forward when I, when I, when I tell you to, though. Okay? Well, God, you, you said we were going to walk five paces. I know. I know. I told you. I made you. Let's take one step. Ready? One. Well, God, you said I was going to take five. I know what I told you. I'm God. All right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take two steps forward and one step back. Ready? Ready? One, two. Take it back. But, God, we went backwards. You said we were going to take five steps. I'm God. But you keep asking questions, so I'm just going to let you walk by yourself. Like, you, you keep asking and questioning if I'm God or not. So you know what? You got it. You take the five steps by yourself. But what happens is, is that we'll trust God. Just walk with me. We'll trust God as long as he has our hand because we can see that he's with us. As long as I see that God is with me, I trust him because now God is, is, is leading me, right? Okay, I want you to stand right there. You trust me, right, Josh? You sure? You positive? You sure? I'm not even talking to these people. Do you trust me? Do you love me? Okay, I want you to turn around. But what happens when God leads you and the only thing that you have, the only thing you have is his voice and what he's brought you from? Okay, Josh, you trust me? You sure? You sure? I want you to take one step forward, one big giant step. Take another step. Now I want you to turn around and face me, face the sound of my voice. I want you to back, walk backwards one step, another step, another step, sit down. You trust me? Yeah. Okay, I need you to stand up. I need you to walk towards my voice. But God, I, I don't see you. That's, that's fine. I don't know who this is for. I don't know who this is for. 
but God, I, I can't see you. But God says, I'm, I'm with you. You trust me? Do you trust me? Follow me. Come on. Come on. I got you. I'm not going to let you fall because I can see what you don't see. Come on. I need you to stop. I need you to stop. Now, listen. There's going to be some stuff that you're about to go through. There's going to be some stuff that's going to be a little bit confusing. You've been walking on this playing ground. It's, it's flat. But there's some stuff you're going to take one, two, three, four steps, okay? And I really need you to listen to everything that I say because if you don't, you're going to fall. But if you fall, you can't blame me because you weren't listening to what I had to tell you. So are you listening? Are you listening? Okay, I need you to turn. I need you to turn this way. Now I need you to come forward. Okay, now you're about to hit the first obstacle. I need you to lift your foot up and step forward. Okay, that's the first one. Keep going. You have three more. One. Two, three. There you go. Okay, stand right there. There's some stuff that I'm setting up for you, Josh, but you don't see it. Okay, you trust me? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay, I need you to follow my voice. I need you to follow my voice. Follow me. Come on, this way. This way. Okay, now I need you to walk forward this way. There you go. Keep walking. Okay, now, now this is, I know this is going to be a little bit scary, but I need you to turn around. There you go. Do you trust me? Yeah. You sure? Yep. Now, don't forget, I brought you through the stairs. Is anybody with me this morning? I brought you. This is going to break the chain off of somebody's life right now. Do you trust me? I need you to back up just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit more. A little bit more. Hey, I got you. Don't worry about, stop. Now, this is what I need you to understand. I'm not going to let you fall, so just step forward just a little bit. I'm not going to let you get hurt. I trust you. Right. You sure you trust me? Yes. You promise? Yes. Are you sure? Because what I'm about to ask you to do, what I'm about to ask you to do, if, you, if your eyes were open, it would scare you. Sometimes God blinds you so that you won't be afraid of where he's sending you. Josh, do you trust me? You sure? I set something up to catch you, but it's not going to be what you think it is. You trust me? I need you to fall backwards. God is looking for you to trust him. God's looking for you to trust him. God is looking for you to trust him. I want you to take your blindfold off. Just slip it off. Just slip it off. Now, I want you to look around you. I sent you people. I sent you people that were bigger than you. I sent you people that you didn't see them orchestrated. But listen, if you would have seen them, you would have known what was going on and you might have messed it up. So I had to blind you. Jonah, you might have messed it up. So you had to be eaten by the fish in order so I could get you to where you needed to go. Can I get that back? Can we give them a hand? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So I, I want you to sit right quick. That's what a lot of our lives look like. It's, it's like this. God, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where you're... I don't see you. I don't feel you. I'm scared, God. 
all the systems and the resources that you've given me, God, I don't feel them, but you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. I'm going I'm to trust you anywhere that, that, that you tell me to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust you because I know that in, in 2 Corinthians 5 through 7, you say that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and we walk by sight. Listen to this. That's the New King James Version. This is the message. I want you to write this down. 2 Corinthians 5 through 7 in the message, and I'm going to let you guys go. Listen to this. It says, that's why we live with such great cheer. You won't see us drop, drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. When everything seems like it's falling apart, I'm not, we're made out of different stuff. We, 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 don't get, we, don't, we don't become afraid when, when uh, we, we don't become afraid when, when, when it gets dark and, and when, when there's a whole bunch of clouds and there's, there's lightning and thunder because we're made out of different stuff. Look at your neighbor say different stuff. Different look, stuff. look, for real, look at your neighbor say different stuff. Different the, because listen to this. He says, the cramped conditions, they only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. What I'm going through, if it feels tight like this, I know my God is a deliverer. So if I'm feeling like this, that means that once I walk through it, there's got to be some relief. So, <laughs> it's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. It's what I put my faith in. But I don't see it yet, but you said that you were going to give me a baby. And we've tried. But if God gave you the name of the boy or the girl... It has to come. It has to come. And AJ lives now. AJ lives now. Oh my God. It has to come. Can you come down just a little bit? It has to come. If God told you that you were supposed to be at a certain address in a house and it sold, that wasn't it. The house has to come. But I'm 57 and I desire to be, I desire to be, to, to be, to be married. That's fine. He's still cooking. His oven's just broke, so it's going to take a little bit more time for him to cook. But whatever God showed you, that's what it is. But I already have kids and she got kids or he got kids. That, so what? What did God show you? Well, he showed me a family. So just keep believing in what he showed you. Listen to this. He says, do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? Miss Shivana passes away, and she's not, I, I'm not as connected to the people, so I can't judge or even say anything about her husband or her children. I can't put anything on that because that's not me. But I know for me, when I heard it, God gave me a choice, and he asked me, he's like, well, do you still have faith? Because I know you were praying for her healing. And he looked at me, and he says, but you know she's healed, right? And I was like, wait a minute. I thought, he said, you thought that her healing was going to come in the natural through her body. But what if her healing came in the natural through her spirit? And her physical healing came when she was with me. God reminded me, he said, you know that when she's with me, she has absolutely no worries. She doesn't even, AJ has no worries. There's no pain. There's no pain where she is. But I want to make sure that you understand that God wants to give you a life where you don't even feel pain here on earth. Can we stand to our feet one time? Please.